what's next? You did it. You got there. You accomplished it. What's next? What happens when all those nights that you stay up thinking about what you need to do? What's the next step? The blood, the sweat, the tears, the hours you put in mastering your craft, studying. You get it. What's next? The moment I stepped on the mats, I knew that I had a ton of goals. Whether it was competing in MMA or competing in jiu-jitsu tournaments, one day maybe opening up my own school. And those, those ideas, those dreams, they changed. But one thing remained consistent. I knew that one day, I was going to be a black belt. I was going to be called professor. But what I never thought of was, then what? In this episode, myself and Roy are going to talk about how getting to the goal, accomplishing your dream, is really just the beginning of the journey. And everything that comes along with it, from your responsibilities, to your duties, to your role on the team. This is episode 7 of Tapping In. Enjoy the show. We are back. This is episode seven, Tapping In, Roy? Yes, it is. Episode seven. We are not recording on our typical Wednesday night. We had that, the, the tornado, Ida. the storm, <laughs> Ida. Wow. Ida came through. We were like all set Who up. Who knew and that was going to be so bad? I didn't. And you know what's funny? Like, because people were like, oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. I know that Montgomery floods, but yeah. I also know that it recedes pretty quickly. Very So quickly. in my mind, I was like, well, by the time we're done recording, I should be okay. Right. It was Wednesday night, and the rain's coming down hard, <laughs> and Steph pulls up. Steph pulls up. My poor wife. <laughs> Your poor wife. Who's never here. Right. Never here. She borrowed my laptop for the night because she had a Zoom meeting for her job. Right. And, you know, I have a Mac, and it's a much, it's easy, never has any issues, and Love it works that. clearly. It works well. Listen. Love the, me some Apple. Absolutely. Yeah. An Apple a day, but- no, I love my Mac, and it's like you pay for you pay for it up front. Yeah, but uh, for example, like when we were doing Zoom during uh, during the lockdown, right? I bought an aftermarket camera. I bought an aftermarket microphone. I tried using all that stuff. The Mac stuff was better. Oh, solid. I was like, this was a waste of money. Just I'm not using any of this all stuff. The way around. Yeah. So she was using my laptop, and I was like, you got to bring the laptop in. You know, this is when <laughs> this is when we film. That's this a is when good we record woman. tapping in. That is a good woman, man. I don't know if you saw her face when I went outside. Yeah, I said hello she, to her. She was like, like, like she saw a ghost, frightened, terrified. Yeah, she's like, the roads are bad. The roads are so bad. I was like, all right, well, give me the mic, give me the laptop, and get out of here. Yeah, and she's like, I, I just, I just drove through like three feet of water. I don't know what she uh-huh. went through. So that's when she called me. She's like, can we just, we both gotta get the fuck out of here. That's she's like, trip. your car is Absolutely. not gonna make it. And I was like, all right. So we wrapped everything up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the photographer Fox Shots was here that night. He got stuck. He never made it home. Wow, I didn't He know. drove through the first puddle and then couldn't get through the second one. Got stuck. So I was like, come back to the school. He's like, I can't. He's like, I'm I'm stranded here. So wow, that's crazy. He in, lives in East Brunswick, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, getting down Route One is really tough from here. When, oh, Route when the One was, hit. So we'll get into that. So um we we closed everything up. We got out of here pretty quick. Yeah. In like this five, six minutes that Steph oh, was yeah. here. Yeah. Get on to two oh six. 206 south by the police station right gone four feet of water can't get through that way oh so that that flooded over flooded over oh wow so not just flooded over that's it was the like, first time that, all right 
I know we're getting into stuff that only Montgomery people know about, but for the rest of the country that is possibly listening here, this is a road that's elevated. Number one, they just redid the bridge mm-hmm. and it's flooding. Yeah. yeah, that was the whole point of redoing that that uh, that bridge in front of the police station. It, it capsized. So to the listeners who are listening, this is what makes Montgomery a very special town. It's almost like the people who live here know it's a special town, so they made it so that you can only get in here one way, and that's it. It's like it's yeah. like Wonka's factory. It's like nobody ever goes in. Gotta get the golden ticket. Nobody ever goes out. Because all the only way to get in here is 206. Right, north and south. North and south, or Canal Road somehow. Right, and that's, that's Amwell Road that comes across yeah. from Hillsborough, but that you have to cross. You have to cross. you got to cross somewhere on that. Uh, I don't know what the name of that is. And once that it's gone, is. you're stuck. Yeah. Three roads were flooded, and that shut me down. Yeah. Grigstown Road was flooded. Couldn't go that way. That's the road right next to the school. Mm-hmm. 206 is the other road that we travel. 206 South to go home, or uh, yeah, South to go home. Gone. Wow. Try taking 206 North. Made it half a mile. Gone. You were going to take 206 north to get to 287 to come back down. Bingo. Your place. Wow. Yeah, that would have been hard. Uh, gone. Hard. Yeah. Gone. Finally get to leave here at like 2.45, 3 o'clock in the morning. In the morning, yeah. Uh, I didn't sleep. I just kept looking out the window waiting to see cars going north. So I figured once I see headlights, we're good to go. Right. And I wasn't trying to be here until 6 o'clock in the morning. We got kids at home. Like <laughs> exactly. My kids are with my mom and my aunt. So... Wake her up. We leave. No food. All we had is like coconut water. Yep. <coughs> and uh, we, it took us two hours Crazy. to get home. Crazy. Princeton was flooded. This road was flooded. Yeah. That road, and it happened so, so quickly. That was the thing. That was the thing. It happened so fast. Like yeah. once it, once it went, it was gone. And the next day was sunny. Yeah. <laughs> well, even the next day we couldn't, I, I closed the school for Thursday mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't, I heard it was still bad in some yeah, parts up yeah. here. And I was like, let me leave it alone. My car was still here. So we came in yesterday morning mm-hmm. and I just worked from here. It took us an hour to get in wow. because Canal Road was still flooded and the bridge next to Canal Road to come over, that was still shut down. Yeah. So we had to double back, get on to 27, 27 all the way through Princeton to 206, 206 mm-hmm. south from yep. there. Wow. An hour. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I had to cancel yesterday. We had to close the school. Good call. You know, Plus, half of our students were had their basements underwater. Yeah, I know Tob had uh, still having issues with it. You know, a mess. But uh, you know, it's funny. The last time I don't know if you know history in this area, but in, in 1999, uh, Jace was in my kid was in uh, in uh, preschool, I guess, and Hurricane Floyd came through, mm. and <laughs> that was the worst thing I've ever been in. But here's the best part. I'm working in Forestall Village in Princeton. I get onto 206 to come home. You know, I, I left the office at about two o'clock. It completely flooded over right by the police station. Yep. I actually parked my car on the side of the road, rolled up my suit pants, and started walking through that shit. Dude. And I'm getting applauded by people because I had to get my kid out of, out of uh, yeah. preschool. You do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, I would have swam through that shit to but get that's them. that's so dangerous because there's, there's so much debris in there. Yeah. Like, it's not like it's just water. Yeah. You got trees, branches, mm-hmm. cars in there. Yeah. Uh, one of my coworkers is a conductor on the Raritan line. Mm-hmm. His train got caught on the bridge and like, like the Somerville oh, bridge. Oh man, that's gotta be the worst. The pictures are insane. He's yeah. stranded, stuck on the equipment. So he's stuck on the train. Wow. 
and like the water's all the way up to like the floor of like the first level of the multi levels. What do they do with the people? I mean, I guess I don't think they were. I think I think they actually took all the people off at the last okay. station. They're trying to get back to the station. I gotcha, I gotcha. But you're stuck. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. You just put on all the handbrakes and pray to God it doesn't get flipped over. Unbelievable. Because then what happens is the way the rail works is the rails are put on top of the. Uh, you know, on top of the, uh, the gauge right? and, uh, or I'm sorry, the ballast, the rocks and those ballasts, it works as a shock absorber and drainage. Well, what happens is when it floods like that, the ballast gets washed away. So you're saying the, the, pe- or the rocks, the gravel that's underneath those, uh, they hold up the rail. They, I get it. Oh, so wow. when that washes away, Holy shit. now you just have the wooden ties and the rail makes, yeah i guess that makes sense i can see that now. so that's a lot of weight Fuck yeah. being held by a couple of pieces of wood <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised it doesn't happen more then it, it doesn't because they use so much and it gets oh, exactly. as the train's going through it kind of like packs it in do they have sensors like it, it always seems like uh they're really really technologically savvy now you know to these lines I, I yeah, like the face the, you just made, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. State every, of New Jersey is right on top of Everything things, huh? you said, Roy, it's all true. <laughs> yeah. We are right on the we t- are cutting on edge it. of technology. That's huh? right. Cutting edge. We are ahead of the curve, Roy. NJT <laughs> is the way to be. We're going to leave it at that. How so long have you been uh, with those guys? Eight years last month. Nice. Eight years. Good I, climbed, I climbed that ladder pretty quick, man. Damn, climbed that ladder pretty quick. I got moved up to the- Cream rises now. So they say. Yeah. So you know what? <laughs> I was waiting to hear a bureaucracy. Sometimes uh, shit floats too. Exactly. You know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Either way, you made it to the top. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was a conductor for uh, about four years, and uh, you know, I worked all the all the facets of the job because there's there's not just the conductor. Of course. There's yeah. the head conductor, then yep. there's the rear brake, and then there's the you know the ticket collectors. Yeah. And they're all qualified to do all the jobs, but you just you work which one you want. You pick the assignment. Uh I always love your stories by the way when you when you talk about like my train some stories. guy that opens his mouth or something like that. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you politely ask them to behave and you know <laughs> get off the train and you figure it out. But yeah, I did that for four years, and then I got a I got a phone call on a Wednesday from my old instructor, right? And he's like, "Hey, do you want to still come into the train department?" And uh, I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." He's like, "Awesome." He's like, "Come in tomorrow for an interview." I was like, "Well, I'm off Wednesday, Thursday, so let's do it Friday." It's <laughs> <He was> like, <laughs> what like, a way to show. I'm not gonna have. I'm not gonna lose a relief day. Like I'm not gonna yeah. lose a day off for an interview because you're gonna make me come in on Friday. Right, right. Like right. I'll see you Friday. So I went in on Friday, did the interview, and then that Monday I was in the classroom teaching. Wow. All right. You ready for the magic segue here? Let's see the magic segue, Roy. Okay. This is it. When you do bring up these stories that you have to confront people on the train, do they know they're dealing with a black belt at that point? Or do you make that known? Or do you... uh... No. Because today's topic is all about becoming, being, and using those black belt skills in life. So here, you know what? I don't have to tell them I'm a black belt yeah. because I've been training so long and the longer you train, you start to realize like when you first start training, you can't wait to use your techniques in real life. You're like, I can't wait to choke somebody in the streets. (laughs) Then after about a year, year and a half, you're like, I really don't want to do this because it's not even fair. Mm -hmm. Once you start getting to that high end blue, purple, especially brown, black belt, you don't even have to confront the situation. 
because you've become so good at de-escalating it. And the reason you're able to de-escalate is because you have confidence. Oh, yeah. Like, I can tell someone, like, you don't want to go down this road and look them in the eyes and mean it. And I'm also a big believer. We're all just essentially animals. I truly believe that. Right. There's, there's certain vibes and waves that people get off. And you you can tell when someone's for real. You can tell when someone's oh, full of gosh, shit. You see it in the eyes. I was watching a documentary on great white sharks. And uh, there were these three massive great whites sh- uh, swimming uh, along a reef in Australia. And the guy's filming it. He's not even in the cage. He's like free diving. Wow. This guy's a maniac. Okay. But he's like recording them in their element. And they're, you know, living their life, being big, bad sharks. And then they disappear. And he's like, where'd they go? So now he's like shitting himself a little yeah, bit. Because, yeah, you know, yeah. these three, lots of places yeah, these three 16-foot great whites are gone. <clears throat> then he starts to see like movement. Mm-hmm. And this big 20-footer comes swimming in. Scars all over it. Wow. The face is all gnarled up. And he's like, holy shit. So... He starts following this one. He tags it. They're able to tag it. They come back like the next day, they tag it. And every time they film it, it's the same thing. The other sharks would disperse. And he came to the conclusion with his crew, this guy's the alpha. Yeah. So animals know, like, look, that's not the one. I think human beings, we have that in us. We just... Somewhere along the line, we stop listening to it or we lose it because society says, that, you know, no one's ever going to attack us. Um, I, I had a situation yesterday morning. Yesterday morning. Wow. So I never had to have an altercation because I've always been able to de-escalate it. Sure. I think part of it is because, you know, I do know how to speak to people. And, you know, like I'm not a little guy either, so mm-hmm. I can get away with some shit just off of, uh, you know, just off of the optics. Um but then, you know, there's the fact that... Like, wait, wait, don't, they don't know. gloss over. Give me the story. They know. Tell oh, so the story from yesterday. <laughs> but they know. So here's yesterday's story. Driving up to the school, and I've got Steph and the kids in her car because we're right. picking up my car. Route one, during rush hour, the shoulder is open. Right, yeah. It's open to alleviate congestion for traffic. And there's an Audi, like a Q7, real nice Audi, trying to get That's in. the SUV, right? Yeah, the SUV. Okay. Right. Trying to get in. So I, I slow down and I flash the high beams because I'm a very considerate driver. What a guy. Let him in. <laughs> right. Let him in. What am I going to accomplish by speeding up or staying with him? Right, right, right. Slow down. Let him in. So he doesn't want to get in. He keeps slowing down with me. Oh, I got you. Yeah. So I just give like a quick like beep, beep, beep. Like right. just like go. Like, like go. Yeah. So he gets in. He's going to make the left. But the way that jug handle is on Ridge Road to come across if you make that left, the first car can make it. Every other car is Every just going to block fuck. all the yeah, other lanes. Yeah, so I take the right and then make the little left, yeah. which is how it should be designed. Uh, so I get in, and now I leave plenty of space so that he can legally, because I, I didn't do it the proper way, so that he can legally get in in front of me and take his proper spot. Right. I'm trying to be a considerate driver. I see him in his car, like mouth, asshole, Oh shit. So I lower my window and I like point to myself and then like I, I point yeah. to myself and then I throw my hands up like what? Yeah. And he goes, asshole. Oh wow. So now I I give him the finger. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. now I'm pissed. Cause I'm like, 
the fuck is this guy's problem? Right, right, right. It's early in the morning. I got my kids, so now like Steph can see that like I'm heated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get to the light at the end of the road, and it's green. And I'm like, I go to Steph. I'm like, he's lucky this shit's green. Turns red. Because the car in front of me wasn't paying attention. So I get stuck at the amber light. Timing like, is right. everything in life. I go to Steph. Hold Don't the wheel. move this car. <laughs> right. Put it in park. I get out. And I'm not aggressive about it. I just get out the car. I walk up to his window and I go, why am I an asshole? Right. He's not even making eye contact. I'm oh, like, sir. I'm like, sir, excuse me. Please. I was like, lower your window. I'm not going to do anything. I just want you to explain why I'm an asshole. <laughs> He lowers the window. He's like, you are an asshole. I was like, I slowed down. I let you in. Wow, you actually I was like, explained yeah, yourself. I was, I was like, I, was like, I slowed shit. down. I let you in. I then made, I, I was like, I didn't make the proper left turn at the jug handle. I was like, but I gave you space to get in front of me. Right. I was like, you chose not to. I was like, so explain to me why I'm an asshole. He's like, listen, I couldn't get in because you're riding the shoulder. But I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You let him in. I was like. That shoulder, first of all, is open right. from 7 to 9 a.m. and 4 to 6 p.m. That's why there's a green arrow above it showing you that it's open. Mm. So even though I was on the shoulder, I'm legally allowed to be on that shoulder. Wow. But that's why I slowed down and let you in. And he goes, I'm sorry. I'm not from here. I didn't know that. I was like, well, I am from here. That's why I know that. I was like, I did nothing wrong. But you thought you were right about something right. and called me an asshole without having all the facts. He goes, I'm really sorry. I was like, I accept your apology. And I shook his hand. I was like, sir, I hope you have a great day for the rest of the day. He goes, I hope you have a better day. And now I'm like in a dick measuring contest. I was like, I hope you have the best day. <laughs> he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, I'm really sorry. I was like, I love no you, man. I was like, listen, I, love man. You. I was like, listen, I figured we could just, I was like, I might as well just talk to you and be like, why right. were you thinking that? Yeah. I was like, cause that was wrong, dude. Like I didn't do anything wrong. You're calling me an asshole for no reason. Right. And he goes, I'm, I'm really sorry. He goes, I was having a bad morning. I was like, well, you know what? I hope you have a better day. He goes, well, I'm sure wow. you'll have a better day now that I'm out of your life. I was like, no, I was like, I met you. I was like, you have a really nice car. And he's like, thanks. Yours ain't so bad either. I was like, yeah, it's my wife's. <laughs> and then we were out and about. And I get to the car and Steph's like, she goes, what happened? I was like, nothing. I asked him to explain why he called me an asshole. And his reasoning was wrong. And I explained to him why it was now, wrong. Now, how long did that process take? Because we weren't there other cars there. Oh, I don't give a shit. They can okay. wait. <laughs> they can wait. Because here's the reality of it, too. To. And here's the reality, too. If you're in traffic and you see, like, a six foot one, 240 pound Puerto Rican getting out of a car, <laughs> knocking on someone else's window saying, why am I an asshole? Yeah. You're not going to question just line that up guy. for the fight. You're not, you're going to be like, um, no, this is not the time. It's eight 30 in the morning. We're not doing this right now. You know, but it, it's like a hockey fight breaks out. And, you're well, like, and that's the wow, thing too. So like, lucky. I don't want to fight. I don't want the fight. I don't want the violence. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But in situations like that, I want to, I just want you to explain yourself. Yeah. Now, granted, is that smart what I did? Probably not. Yeah. Because people have knives, people have guns, sure. you don't know. But at that moment. You just felt it. it. I was like, no. And like, I could see that it was like, and here's a, th- I've been noticing this. Maybe you can answer this. Okay. When I'm seeing road rage incidents, because here's the thing. I had another incident a week ago. Right. Uh, the car was next to me in the lane next to me. And just cut right in front of me and then swerved back into his lane. Okay. And I was like, whoa. So, like, I pull up next to the car and I, like, just lower my window. And I'm like, dude. It was, like, a younger kid. Yeah, yeah. He literally lowers the window, puts his hand up. He goes, I'm sorry. 
I was like taken back by that. Yeah. I was like, so when we get to the light, I lower my window and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like telling him to lower his window. And I guess he thinks I want to fight. I was like, how old are you? He's like 19. I was like, I need you to do me a favor. He's like, I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention. I was like, I was like, I get it. I was like, don't ever change the way you are. I was like, I got over what you did the second you held yourself accountable and apologized. Right, right, right. I was like, we all do it, dude. I was like, we all make mistakes. I'm more impressed at the fact that you were able to own up to it. He goes, yeah, man, I was, I was in the wrong, dude. My dad raised me to just, you know, if I messed up, I messed up. Wow. I was like, don't ever change that. I was like, you have a good day. I was like, I hope you have a great life. And he's like, thanks. And you can tell he was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that right. But I think sometimes things need to be addressed. He's going to have that story for the rest of his life, though. I hope so. I mean, 19, he's going to remember the guy that actually took a second to address his civility, you know, just and admit, he's going to have that for the rest like, of his life. And he's going to teach that to his kid. And you're talking about pay it forward, man. That's well, big. I had Benny in the car. Yeah. And I was like, Benny, do you make mistakes? And he goes, no. I'm like, you do. You make mistakes <laughs> all the time, actually, you little liar. I was like, it's okay to make mistakes. Right. But when you do, just say... I was wrong. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And that diffuses the situation right away. Cause what's the argument with that? And someone's like, you're right. I was wrong. Yeah, that's right. Now you're just, now you're yeah. just, it's like, no. Like, so you're going to ask me what is society becoming so worse? My, is society no. better? I mean, well, what, what are you, no, are we, what I've noticed with these road rage incidents lately, yeah. when it's young kids, they're all willing to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. My issue now, it's like the older guys yeah. talking to shit in their car. Yeah. It's not like the guys my age or like the 25 year olds. Like it's like the 55 and older crowd. Yeah. Why Roy? Cause is it cause you're old? You think no one's going to get out the car and beat that ass. There's a bit of that. Yeah. There's no toys about it. A, a, a buddy of mine said uh, a long time ago, he said, why are you doing BJJ? You know, you nobody's going to attack a, you know, a 55 year old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I said, well, Clearly they you might have me. a point, but I just got to do this. Now getting to your point, I do think, you know, a lot of people kind of tease on the, uh, the baby boomers and they think they're, they're pretty like, uh, self-indulgent and, and, you know, unaware of this, a lot of the behavioral breakdown in the country, no two ways about it has resulted from their leadership, their ethos, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I think it's the, you know, they haven't been punched in the mouth enough in life, you know, where you learn to shut your freaking mouth if, you know, if you're in the wrong or, or admit that you're wrong. And I agree. I, I totally agree. Is that being passed down to our kids? I hope not. I mean, gosh, I, I raised my son to like, you know, he gets something. He has three seconds to say thank you or I pull it away from him. Uh, if he's wrong, admit you're wrong. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I hope that the uh, younger generations are a little bit more. Uh, I've been I've been seeing a lot it. of great things with the younger generation. But yeah. You know what I think happens, too? Uh, and this, this is kind of going to go touch on being a black belt. When you become a black belt, you worked really hard for something. Of course. You earned it. They can't take it away yeah. from you. All right. No matter what happens True meritocracy. in my life, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to be a black belt. Right. That's mine. Mm -hmm. What I'm seeing, and, and I think you kind of break the mold as a person specifically. Uh, I think that's why we get along so well. Is I think when people start getting towards that, you know, you start hitting like that early 50s, mid 50s. Mm -hmm. You really start to reflect on your life. Oh, yeah. And you big start time. to look at all the things big that time. you did accomplish. But more so, I think as you get older, and I'm starting to see it with myself, you start paying attention to the things you didn't do, the things you didn't accomplish, the sacrifices you made. So now you got this 57-year-old guy who may or may not have accomplished something he wanted. It's 8 o'clock in the morning, 
and he's pissed off that someone let him go. Hmm. So now it's this whole buildup of I'm 55. It's just all these things that you didn't do building up. And now you're at a point in your life where you don't get to test yourself physically anymore. And I think as a man, sometimes you kind of, you want to test it a little bit, but you really don't. You think you do, but you don't. But that's why I think like someone like you, you're not that guy in the Audi calling someone an asshole because you're here every night. You're yeah. still working towards stuff. You're still living the life that you want to live. Yeah. You don't need to test yourself as a man. Same thing with like those 21-year-olds at a bar. The dude that wants to fight at the bar, there's a reason he wants to do it. Because he doesn't do it. Yeah. So he's got to test himself. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, why, bro? Like, jujitsu guys are the nicest guys. You know why? Because it's a night. The night we're hanging out is the night we're not choking each other. It's a night off. <laughs> You're right. It's You're a right. night off. It's like, sir, I really don't want to do this tonight. We took tonight off for right. a reason. It's a night off. And it's also, you know, that if it came down to it, you could. Yeah, you could uh, definitely exercise your uh, techniques. You could. But I was more uh, getting back to that point about, uh, you know, as you get older and you reflect on things. Yeah, there's a lot of the, you know, they call it a midlife crisis. But it's even deeper than that because as you get older beyond that point and you bought the stupid sports car or you divorced your first wife, that kind of thing, the, the anger is still there. Mm-hmm. But you can't exercise it because as your body declines, the anger is still there. And I meet a bunch of those guys. And, you know, it, it's uh, unfortunate because you're going to go through life in a very, very sort of haphazard way and make silly decisions. And they always say, you know, when, you, when you're emotional, you make stupid decisions in life. Well, that's what it is. Think, you, you start thinking that external mm-hmm. things are going to help you inside. And that's not the way it oh, works. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know. That new that yeah. new Porsche ain't gonna help you. Yeah. It might make you feel better for a little bit, but eventually, whatever's going on in there, it's still gonna be going on. You know, it's funny. There is a calculus to when you should buy a Porsche. Explain. That I'm having me. this conversation with my son right now. He says to me, "Yeah, Dad, I want to buy an Audi S7, whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. One of those really heavy, high end sports cars." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Dad, and I said, Jay, two things are gonna happen. Either A, the person that sees you driving that at the age of 26 is gonna say, wow." He's like exceptionally doing well, but I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or B, he's driving his dad's car. I yeah. said, there's going to be a time when you can get that car, but I wouldn't get it now. Right. It's, you know, get, get a lower end, you know, infinity or whatever it is, but uh, don't maybe, go to the high know, end. Maybe invest in a condo. Right. Something you can own. <laughs> exactly. You know, those are lessons you learn going to appreciate a little in value. Yeah, yeah. You know. Absolutely great. All right. Let's talk uh, black belts. Um, I'll give you my thoughts on black belt okay because you're you've been there you did it tell me if i'm wrong i think there are three kinds of black belts oh boy okay here we go all right the first one are the the prodigies these are the easy ones gordons uh the the, bj pens yeah the guys that just get it pretty quick they advance through the uh the uh the learning process and they exercise those skill sets very very well in very very quickly in competitive like right now you got like micah gaval yes perfect example exactly yeah that is a black belt all right the second black belt is the person that is sort of the combination of that let's call it the phil jackson they have been in competitive settings but their real skill sets are in the teaching of these skill sets okay okay and the third black belt is the guy that's just been there a hell of a long time i can't i'm not taking anything away from them but they they're in it for the time period. Okay. Alrighty. That's my, those are my three black belts in my mind. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
but I think even within those, there's levels. Oh, of course, yeah. Right, because you might have those Different guys. Different shades who are, of each. Yeah, so like you have like the competitive guy who you know is a better instructor, and I think that definitely applies to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there's uh, there's also there's also other guys and girls in that in that realm that have competed much better. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know, take someone like Tom for example, phenomenal resume. But he doesn't have the ADCC championships, you know, and he and he he openly admits that. And he goes, "I'm at a point." He says he's in a point in his career where it's probably not going to happen. Right. But he's had a phenomenal career, amazing. I would trade my competitive career for his. Absolutely, three time uh, ADCC yeah. representative. Like, of course, uh, you know, multiple time world champ. Like, that's a phenomenal career. But he's such a great coach. Yeah, such a great coach. You know, you take someone like uh, Pete McHugh, perfect example. Pete McHugh had an undefeated MMA record, uh, amateur MMA record. And he was a very tough competitor. But he's a great coach and school mm, owner. Right. Um, but I'm going to tell you, I think out of all of those, those three levels you said, my favorite level is that third one. Yeah, or the... Uh, I think that's the most impressive. Put in the time. That's the most impressive level. Yeah. Because when you're a prodigy... Or, you know, someone who just naturally, I hate to use the term naturally gifted, because if you're naturally gifted, but don't put in the work, you're not getting a black belt. Mm. But if you're that guy, right, you're, you're that level, that's impressive. And that's great. And we can all look at them and be like, wow, that, that kid's good. Yeah. Holy Freaky shit, he's good. good. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, there's a lot of females like that, too, that are just, you know, super tough. I think, um, I can't think of her name off the top of my head. Uh, young girl from 10th Planet got her black belt at 19. Did you talk about the girl from uh, Pennsylvania? Yes. Oh, yeah, I forget her name. And so. everyone like gave him shit for that. And then like two weeks later, she wins and wins Mundials. It's like, well, now yeah. what? Like, where's your argument? Your name is Grace. Uh, possibly. You know, Nikki Ryan, another example. Right, right. So, you know, young. So, you know, that's impressive. Uh, and it's it's a tremendous accomplishment. But they were going to go down that path. Mm. Right. I think that middle level, it's it's almost like because you have that competitive background, it's easy to come. You know, and I said that the other day when you were or the one of the episodes you were talking about training, I was like, oh, it was easy for me to train because I was always competing. If I'm, you know, you're just you're showing up to train because you're competing and you're getting into class like that. Right. You've got to be there. Right. But that third level that, you know, the person that works the nine to five. The person's coming in twice a week. Right. They they make this a part of their life, but it's a scheduled part of their life. They don't have any intention of competing. They don't want to be on the cover of Gracie Mag. They just want to keep doing it because it's a part of their life that they love and is crucial. Those people to me, when they get their black belt, that's the most impressive because those are the people that have every reason to quit at wow. any given time. Because while they're training, so are those other two levels. Because right. those other two levels of black belt are white belts and blue belts and purple belts. Right. They got so go while that, the same system is 100%. Right. They're all coming through the same system. Right. And sometimes you'll have them in you. I trained in a room with Gordon Ryan as a blue belt. I was a blue belt. And then there were the blue belts that were working their jobs every day. All right. Gordon got his black belt, has a phenomenal career. I got my black belt. I have my school. I'm doing my coaching thing. Right. I took my experience from competing and turned it into coaching. And then you have, you know, some of them I think are still brown belts, uh, but they're going to be their black belt. You take someone uh, like a, a Paul Diagro. His wife is Joan Diagro, brown belt from Gary Tonin's Academy. Uh, Gary Tonin BJJ, formerly Brunswick BJJ. Uh, Paul Diagro has been training for 11, 12 years. Right. 
And he'll be getting his black belt soon. He's a brown belt right now. But when he gets his black belt, it's like, man, like you just, a black belt is a white belt who never quit. Yeah. Those people embody that. Yeah. Embody it. In a sport that it's so easy to quit. Really is. It's so easy to quit because yeah. the second it doesn't become what you think it was going to be or you realize, ah, I'm not going to be a world champ or ah, I'm really not as good as this as I thought it would be or, man, this shit's really hard. I'm like, It takes a while to learn these moves. And you got all these people quitting around you. These people found a way. Keep showing up. Yeah, I agree. And here's the thing. When they get their black belt, it's not like... It's not like they put on a black belt, you roll with them, and you're like, man, that guy was garbage. No, they're still a black belt, and they're going to put it on you, and you're well, going to feel it. That's an interesting point, because I, I think when you, uh, like, there's a picture that you have of Tom and, and a bunch of the black belts, you know, and they're, you know, I'm not going to, I guess there's some something of a pecking order, you know, as far as that sort of thing, but everybody has their role. I know you had discussed this before of who they are in the gym, you know, in the school, and everybody has a vital role in, in that sense and they didn't get the black belt just you know for their good looks so i think that's an important part about getting your black belt too is along the way you have to understand that you're not going to get there by yourself you know when you get your black belt like when i got my black belt for me it wasn't just like yeah i got my black belt i thought of all the people that trained with me put in yeah, those rounds with I'm me talking about. Yeah. helped make me better so you know you take someone who you know maybe isn't a competitor but you've been training with them for years and now they get their black belt. And it's like, you know what? Maybe the world doesn't know who you are, but we know who you are. Right. right. And you're the fucking man. That's like, you're the man. Like, you know, you take someone like, um, my, my brother in belt, Rossi, who I love bringing up, you know, Rossi didn't compete. He had a very successful business that he was running, you know, and he, for 15 years, kept training kept showing up you know sometimes he'd be gone for a month but he'd make his way back you know life would get very crazy and be like listen i'm not gonna be able to train this summer i got 18 jobs that need to get done right. but he finds his way back and you roll with him he is a tough sob he is mean and he brings it but he's a black belt mm. he's a legitimate black belt yeah but his road was different than mine and that's the thing you have to understand you know, you can break them up into the, the three tiers, but everyone's journey to black belt is completely different, yet somehow a little bit the same, mm-hmm. which is why when you see another black belt, it's like, I don't know you, but I know enough about you now just mm-hmm. because you have that belt. Right, right. I don't know everything about you. I don't know who you are as a person. Just because you're a black belt doesn't mean you're going to be a good person. You'd be a total dick. But I know that there's something in you that let you that made you have to get to that. Yeah, and they're differing. Uh, like you said, the the road on these things is everyone's on that same highway. It's your own if journey. You will. Yeah. It's your own thing, but everybody's on the same road. You know, you still got to learn the techniques. You still got to like <clears throat> roll in class with people. So it, it's just I just find it fascinating as far as that goes. What percentage uh, of people you know just to <clears throat> get their black belt? Get their black belts. It used to be three percent. I think it's actually down to two percent now. It's got to be. It's a, but I think I said this, I touched on this before. Roy, you better stop coughing. They're going to think you got the COVID. Um, uh, I think because as the sport grows, there's more and more people training. And because there's more people training, there's obviously more people quitting. That's the thing, yeah. So, so that's going to that's gonna bring down the percentage. Yeah. You know, like if you and I took a test right now and we both got 100, well, that's great. We got 100% passing rate. 
But now if one more person came in and they failed, well, great. Now this group has a 66% passing rate. Right. On. The number and the failure is going to impact that. So I don't think it's that more people are quitting. I think more people are training. They're just happening to quit. Right. Right, right, right. I mean, look. Because I mean, there's more black belts. It's just at the rate of what's coming in because the sport's growing fast. We signed up two new students today. Right. Today. You know, with intros lined up next week. The sport's growing fast. People want to train. People want to train jujitsu. It's not a secret anymore. You got Mario Lopez, Keanu Reeves, uh, Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher. Yeah. You know, you got people training. Demi Lovato, even. Demi yeah. Lovato. <laughs> Demi Lovato. <laughs> You're a big fan. Um, I'm a huge fan of hers. <laughs> Demi Lovato and her 18 personalities, um, you know, not judging, but they all train. It's out there. Yeah. People know what it is now. And and when you see someone like that, when you see a, uh, a an Al Bundy right. putting on his black belt. Ed O'Neill, yeah. Ed O'Neill. He's the real deal. Greatest yeah. high school football player of all time. Four touchdowns in one game. Four touchdowns in one game for the great Polk High. Yeah. Um, when you see someone like that, now that image of Hoyce elbowing someone in the face that image gets taken away you're like wait a minute i don't need a black belt mm. and you start realizing like wait this is for everyone you don't just have to go in yeah. a cage like for the longest time and i think the stigma is starting to break now when you would tell people like yeah i trained jujitsu like oh like that that's that ufc stuff they're thinking mma yeah yeah, yeah. and you're like yeah yeah that's what i do and it's like <laughs> it's not at all what you do stop lying to people you're not going to elbow <laughs> anyone in the face right, right right you know mma is mma yeah yeah, I train UFC. Do you find, I'll just make it mundane here, when you walk around town or you go to a store or you go to the mall, whatever it is, and you're wearing BJJ gear, you know, like a shirt or a hoodie or whatever it is, do you, does anybody come up to you as far as that goes? Not that they know that you're a black belt, but just... Yeah, it's always interest? a conversation piece. That's what I'm saying. It's thinking, always yeah. a conversation piece and people will uh, ask you questions about it. So I wouldn't wear BJJ stuff for the longest time. That's what I was wondering, yeah. Uh, there was, there's actually a meme out there. It's like how white belts dress when they go out. Mm. And the kids got like an affliction <laughs> totally. shirt yeah. and these tight jeans and all this yeah. stuff. It's like how black belts dress. And it's like a dude in a t-shirt. With flip-flops. Like flip-flops yeah. and like uh, khaki shorts. Absolutely. Which is ironically enough, like literally what I'm wearing today. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, like that's, that's what we, you know, we just kind I kind of mix it. I'll wear the polo shirt and like the, you know, my yacht shorts or whatever. But I'll also throw on some flip-flops. You keep it fancy, dude. Okay. I, I try to wear flip-flops year-round if I can. Yeah, I love um, them. They're just like I love them. Plus, like I'm barefoot half the time when I'm here. Right, like, right. I'm not wearing shoes. Yeah. But uh, you know, now I only wear Montgomery BJJ shirts mm -hmm. and because it's my business, and it's like why? Oh well, yeah, it's I mean, an it's advertisement. advertisement. But Absolutely. people always ask, yeah. and I always like when I talk to people, they're like, "Oh, I'd love to come visit your school, but you're so far away." I never tell people like, "Oh, it's worth the drive. Make the drive." <laughs> I want people to train jujitsu. One way or another. Right. So I'll always ask people like, all right, well, where do you live? And then they'll tell me where they live and I'll send them to a school. Yeah. You I'll be like, oh, that. there's a school down there. Go right. visit this one. My really good friend, uh, Brent, he was one of my groomsmen, uh, has two kids, uh, little, little Ray and Joey. So his one son, Ray, was training here for a while. But it's a 45-minute drive yeah. for him to come up from like Burlington to here so they just couldn't make the drive anymore and right. i was like dude i'm surprised you lasted for the two three months you were here that's right. far and he's like yeah but you know he really likes it and this and that and i was like all right well let's do i was like where do you live and he told me where he lived and i was like dude 
Chris Matakis's academy is literally like behind your house. Right. He's like, oh, yeah. He goes, but I, I didn't know if that guy was any good. I'm like, listen, <laughs> I'm not the end all be all. Like, I know I'm your friend. So you think like I'm the greatest thing in the world. I was mm -hmm. like, go to this academy. I won't steer you wrong. I was like, he's got a great kids program. He's all about building character. He's got all these like, um, he'll do like a, like a monthly checklist where like, it's like character building. It's like check off when you held the door open for someone, when wow, you greeted a stranger, cool. he does that's all really these things. Cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I, like I would that. love to incorporate that, but yeah, then I give myself homework and I'm not good with homework. I'd be like, Oh, let me, let me grade this. I'm like, you know what that reminds me of though? You, you respect Chris obviously as a black belt and very much and, so in his road, that sort of thing. But is there a behavior code that black belts should have? Because you, I, I know you feel more comfortable, let's say presenting him and his school than you would, let's say a guy that just is a black belt that you just happen to know of. So here's the thing. Listen, the black belt is huge, yeah. but I don't judge these guys based on their belt. I literally judge them based on their character. But you got to know them. Yeah. Yeah. Like you got to know them. Like I know some guys that are black belts that I just, I can't stand. Like I just don't like them. Right. Because uh, I know them personally. Right. But I know some purple belts and brown belts that if they had a school open right now, I'd be like, go there. Right. Yeah. Trust me. Go there. Uh, perfect example. All in. You know, Andrew Vidal is not a black belt. He's a brown belt. Right. Um, uh, his uh, his partner, Damian Anderson, is a purple belt under under John Danaher. You know, I would recommend someone go there. That's that's right. you're going to get good jujitsu training there. Okay. You know, I guess I'm not going to send someone just to a black belt. But you're saying like, should a black belt like do we hold each other to a certain thank standard? You. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm I mean, because when you get the belt in anything, like let's take it out of BJJ for a second. If you've advanced your you're learning your your yeah your PhD or whatever it happens to be. There's a certain code that you have to carry to make just for the good of the sport, just for the good of the uh, you know. Well, yeah, look, doing. and here's like there's little things, and I think your your head instructor is going to set certain things. Like I think Tenth Planet's code is going to be very different from being a member of Tom's code. Right. You know, Tom has certain expectations of his black belts. You know, especially if you're in the affiliation and you you're a school owner. You know, his big thing is, you know, look the part. Right. You got to look the part. And it's not it's not trying to shame anyone. It's just like, listen, think about the business you're in. You know, what's that? Uh, what's that? Adage? Like, never trust a skinny pastry chef. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, there's a reason for it. Absolutely. You know, you don't go to a tattoo artist that doesn't have tattoos. Hmm. You know, there's a reason for it. You don't go to a jujitsu academy where the head instructor is going to be like, yeah, we're going to teach you fitness and self-defense. But they never train. Yeah, that, that's a, that's kind of another one of my questions: is should black belts still get on the mats to a large extent? And, yes. Uh, okay. Absolutely. Because I've known a few in my lifetime that don't do that. Some don't. Yeah. Uh, and I think you also have to understand, like, why are they not training? You know, like there's nights that I don't train, and it's just because my body's just sure. Some nights it feels like shit. Yeah. You know, it's hurting. But I try to train as much as I can. But if you're a black belt and you're like, if you're training, like you're already on the mats, you're getting rounds in. Why not train with everyone? Yeah. I actually prefer to train with uh, lower ranks because number one, like they're going to come at you and you know, you can, it really tests how much you can control the situation. Uh, Plus and you gauge your students a lot better. And you can gauge them and you can help them. Yes. 
you know, like I can, I can have more of an impact training with a white belt, uh, than I could with like a, a brown belt or a black belt, you know, you know, their game's already set. Yeah. They're going to do this and then we can break down. And they're not going to make those mistakes that a white belt yeah. would make. Right. You and could say, tweak this, tweak that. Yeah. You're going to be yeah. tweak this, tweak that. Yeah. You know, where was your hook on this? Like, man, what are you doing with that little Kimura? You know, Luke Moeller did a really good job shutting down, shutting down my deep half. And he just had like this weird grip on my bottom wrist. And I'm like, what are you doing with that? Right. He goes, I don't know, bro. I started messing around with this thing. He goes, it's not even a crazy grip, but it stops you from moving. And I was like, it was very annoying. I was like, I didn't like that at all because I had to address the grip. Uh, but that's like a little thing. Whereas like with a white belt, I can really start breaking down bigger things right that'll make broader mistakes yeah and things once you start cleaning those broader mistakes your improvement really steps leaps and bounds right you know you you fix one little thing for a white belt which is actually a big thing well that's going to make a significant change yeah. in their jujitsu and you're going to see it right away mm -hmm. they're going to go from losing mount all the time to being able to hold it right you know, like the time I asked Hondra Gracie, why am I losing this position? <laughs> and he's like, move your hand. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like goes on. Yeah. Then I immediately changed and left. I was like, I'm an idiot. See you later, guys. <laughs> Is there a mythology around black belts? Do you think like people look at them? I'm, I'm not talking about outside people because they don't get it. I'm they talking about it. the students. They look at a black belt and there, there's got to be an expectation, a mythology around them. They're ass kissers. Yeah, yeah it has, it has, kickers. it has an aura. I try to kill that every day here. Right. Like I, you're one of my students. I desperately try to eliminate that. I'm your master. Yeah, obey yeah, yeah. me. I try to get rid of that. I say it all the time. We're all on the same team. I just have a little bit of a different role. Right. I even say to this, I think I've made the joke a couple of times, like the only difference between me and you is I write the rent check. But if you're not yeah, here, you always say that I say, I write the rent check, but if you're not here, there ain't no money to pay the rent. Yeah. So, and you also recognize that, and you've said this a bunch of times to people, you've said it to me a bunch of times that I may be a black belt in this, but you're a black belt in another aspect of life yes. and, and this and that, which is you know, true. On those mats, I'm the black belt. Yeah. Once we step off, I'm just a person trying to learn how to live my life. Yeah. And I'd be ignorant to not think that I could learn from my students. Like, ah, that guy's a blue belt. Yeah, in jujitsu. Mm. He's got a Fortune 500 country, company. He's got $2 million <laughs> right. in his bank account. He's got a 401k worth more than your whole life. Like, right. you could probably learn a lot. Yeah. But some people get it twisted. They think like they're a black belt in, in jujitsu. They're a black belt in everything. It's like, that's... If anything, your black belt in jujitsu should teach you that you're a white belt. Oh, yeah. That wheel and know white thyself. belt mentality. Yeah, you should have that white belt mentality all the time. I'm going to steal this from Pete because I was listening to his podcast. He was talking about Jordan Peterson. Right. And Jordan Peterson talks about... Love me some Jordan Peterson. He's good. He's, I, I really enjoy life. him a lot. He really comes Amazing out with shit. He says it. Yeah. Boom. They're trying to cancel him for some shit, but that's who, who's not getting canceled right now. Right. Um, he talks about, you know, be the fool. Hmm. Be the fool. And he's not saying go out there and be an idiot. What he's saying is don't hide from the fact that you don't know everything. Right. If you're sitting at a table and everyone else is an expert in that field, don't try to stay in the conversation and show them that you you know what you're talking about. No, right. admit that you don't and then learn. Well, you know, it's interesting because they always talk about having a white belt mentality. In other words, you're, you're open-minded. You keep yourself open to learning, learning, learning. But there is also a black belt mentality 
where you can curate different ideas much better than someone else. You can say, well, that, you know, I see it much quicker that that's not going to work. But So here's the thing. I think it's white belt mentality with black belt experience. Okay. Because your mind always has to be like a white belt. You've got to be, you'll see me like when I'm watching guys roll, I'm not watching to see how they're doing. I'm not trying to see how, you know, how Max is doing. I want to see what Max is doing. Sure. What is Manny doing? And every time I'm like, that was stupid. That was stupid. Right, right. But every now and then, I'm like, hmm, what was that? Well, there's so much pride that when you see that. Well, I get excited. I steal shit from you guys all the time. Yeah. You know, like you got, uh, Justin was showing me something today and I was like, I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Right. I was like, we got to work on that more because I like it. And then I told him, I was like, I want you to teach that this week. Wow. And he's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to teach it. I was like, you just, you brought that move to me. Why am I going to take it? Right on. No, teach it. Start building your own mystique. Start becoming your own black belt. But you've got to be willing to learn from other people. But you've got to have that white belt mentality, but with your black belt experience. So what is the black belt mentality? Is it the knowledge that you have gone through the ringer and, you know, you have the humility I think that black but there's belt. another side of it where I got a shitload of techniques. I got a shitload of skills here too. And you have to have the, you know, that sort of pride that you did roll through that. So the black belt mentality, I think is, it's like, you know, you start, you got to the finish line, you got to this point and you start realizing like, if I can get to this, I can do anything as long as I right. keep doing it, as right. long as I put my mind to it. But that's off the mats, all the mats, the black belt mentality. I think it's, it's still just basically the white belt mentality. Okay. Just, you know, you have, you know, more tools in your, in your toolbox, yeah. you know, and then you can pick what's cool about being a black belt is I've been training long enough now where I can take a week and just pick one thing that I want to work on and I can create that scenario happen as many times mm -hmm. as I want. Let's say there's a week that I just want to work on arm bars. I can put myself in a position over and over and over again against, mm -hmm. you know, white belts and blue belts. Uh, you know, in purple belts where I, I'm going for an arm bar, hmm. trying to create that situation and just work on it. Right. You know, and just be like, you know what, this week I'm only going to finish with arm bars. That's how you start challenging yourself. Right. So I'll ask a stupid question. Should black belts tap out? hundred percent. hundred percent. And the reason I said stupid question is obviously you get to a point where you have to tap out, but you got to know that there are guys out there that don't want to put themselves in that position. That's why they don't roll with everyone. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I've tapped the students here. It's happened. Right. Yeah. You know, and then I just, you know, <laughs> turn that knob up one more. And it's like, Oh, you thought that was everything. Sorry. Right. No, that's, that's not everything. I'll turn it up. I'll turn it up. Awesome. There was a, there was a Steve Worthington. I love him. I love that dude. I man. love Steve. I've known Steve since middle school. Yeah. And which to me is like such a huge compliment when people that I've known since like middle school or high school want to come here and train yeah. and want to bring their kids to train. Cause it's like, man, like you really know me as a person and like you trust me with your kids and you come here like to me, I'm like, that's such a huge compliment right. as opposed to someone who goes online, sees that I'm a Tom to blast black belt. And it's like, Oh, I want to train with that guy. It's like, yeah, they, they know me as a black belt. Mm -hmm. They're just judging the belt. You know, you're judging me as a person, which, you know, means a lot when he comes in and train and, um, He's brought in a ton of his guys, uh, Eric Bardaji, Vic, Dom. Uh, you know, he just brought in this new guy, uh, uh, Urshad, I think his name is. He's been here for like, you know, two weeks. He's bringing in people all the time. Right. 
Well, he uh, believes in the art. He believes in it. And, that, and that's why he's bringing in so many people because they see him. That's what's great about him. Well, here's the thing too. Yeah. He's, he's in phenomenal shape. Yeah. He lives a clean life. So people look at him and it's like, man, like if that's what he's doing, yeah, I, I do want to be like him. Yeah. He's a great dad. Always doing stuff with his daughter, yep. like just incredible yep. dad. Posts all so, those pictures. But that's going back to what Tom's like, you got to live the life. You got to be the image. Yeah. Steve has that image. He so when he that. puts on that Montgomery BJJ tank top and he's lifting, right away, whatever he says carries weight. Mm-hmm. But he came in one night and he's been trying to like tap me for so long and I can <laughs> feel it. Like I can see it in his eyes that he wants to attack me. And like, I just, I'm not going to give it to him. So he came in one night and... He like sat the round before we went with each other and like we slap and he goes, I'm coming. I was like, please do. So <laughs> he goes to try to pass my half guard. I do like this like ridiculous sweep and then like Kimura him in like the first 35 seconds. Mm-hmm. And he's like, God damn it. I was like, it's all right. I'll, I won't tap you again. And he's just like, the weird day he goes, bro, I thought I was going to get you tonight. He goes, I felt good. I've been hitting this move all week. He goes, I thought I had you. Right, I was right. like, one day you will. Yeah. It has to be. I mean, Steve is one of those guys that, like you said, he really, really embodies the uh, the true understanding of what it is. But not only that, he loves it. He loves it. Yeah. And he he teaches some cool shit himself. You know, he does a really good job. Every time I talk with him, he's like, he's got something new. He's a student of the game. Yeah. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. He's another one of those who'll go to Gary's every now and then. He'll go to. uh, He'll go to All In because All In's pretty close to his job in Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he's one of those guys who understands what we're doing mm-hmm. here, understands that it's not just the technique. It's about building everyone up. And he always willingly volunteers to roll. Like when we get new students or intros, right? he'll come to me and he's like, you want me to go with the intro? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, cool. Yeah. That's a sacrifice because like you want to train with someone who's on your level so you can push each other. So now it's like, here's this class where you got to train with someone who literally knows nothing. Mm. So you're going to be essentially teaching them the whole class. What is it with restaurant people? Did they really like him, Dom, and, and uh, serve, man. Victor, man? I serve. mean, they, they you, I mean, you come out of a restaurant background too. It's, I mean. We live to serve, man. <laughs> and you know, it's funny though. Tom says it all the time. He's like, when you own a school, you're the head instructor. Right, right. He's like, your job is to serve. Yeah, to a large extent. Your jo- they don't serve you. I serve, I serve you. Right, right, right. You know, guys are like, we need a striking class. Done. Let's do it. Right. Ah, we should have more classes. All right. Let's add more classes. My job is to serve. That's awesome. But you've got to be willing to listen. You've got to be willing to feel what's going on around you. And you learn those lessons on the way to Black Belt. Yeah. I mean, speaking of serving, I mean, we, uh, and especially in, in light of, you know, the hurricane that came, we have so many great cops that are in the class too. We do. I mean, I, I, I keep, looking at the guys and I'm like, I know he's a cop, but it's like just a great guy, you know, the whole thing. And you, know, you got Paul, you got Fred Gonham, you got, you know, Joe Aaron. Uh, I'm uh, probably forgetting a bunch of guys. Chris, uh, Brian, good mm-hmm. dude too. I mean, Alex. Just, yeah. Alex. Oh, fantastic Mike. dude. Yep. I mean, just, Dude's- I know it's supposed to be that way. Like they always say cops should train, mm-hmm. but like we're getting some really good guys coming in. It's amazing what we have going on, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned Paul. Yeah, Paul is some, Paul's one of my best buddies at, the, yeah, at this I, place. I mean, he's yeah, a big dude, big dude. And, and loves it. He loves it. Loves it. Every time I see him, he's sweating his balls off. I mean, the guy's really uh, getting after I it. I was, uh, during COVID, he couldn't really train with classes because he's, uh, he's actually the chief of police. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
he couldn't risk coming in. Sure. And, you know, because, you know, people start watching. It makes absolute sense. So he was doing privates with me. Man, the privates are, here's what I hate about privates and love about teaching okay. them. Seeing students get better with just having one-on-ones with me feels great. Right. Because it's like, man, this guy's getting better. But also selfishly, it's like, man, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> but it also sucks because now the rounds get harder. So yeah, I'm essentially yeah, yeah. beating myself up. Like I'm creating mm-hmm. this horrible environment for You're myself. You're a magician giving away your secrets. Yeah, I'm just telling everyone. Like, and I tell people, I'm like, listen, here's how you beat my underhook. Not an underhook, my yeah, underhook. Right. And now when I'm fighting for I'm like, God damn, why can't I get it? And I'm like, oh yeah, because I taught you how. But you know, then I just got to find a different way to do it. But it, that's what makes it fun. It's just, I give up my secrets all the time. I tell yeah. people exactly how to shut down my game. Because it makes me better. And it makes the rounds more fun. It's and it makes be. you guys better. Yeah. But that's... Is that part of the black belt mentality? I, I think it is. In other words, give something, you know... If it's not, just it to make be. your game better. If it's not, it should be because here's yeah. the thing, and, and this is what I truly, truly believe with all my hearts, and uh, I've heard other people say it, and or at least say a version of this. You know, it it's so easy to reach the top of the mountain and hold your arm up in celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be the guy who reaches down and oh, pulls sure. other people up. That's great. Yeah. And I've always thought about that. Like, you know, even here, like, I'm not just looking at guys who want to compete or, or girls that want to be black belts. I'm thinking, what can I do? Like, what does this person have? Like, what rap, what, how can I use this jujitsu to help them even more? Right, right, right. We have guys that want to compete. So let's help them compete. But we have guys that are phenomenal coaches, you know, and I tell them, I'm like, look, I don't want you here for 15, 20 years. Right. I want you to take this, go do your thing. Take what you're learning from here and go do your thing. Because that's what this sport did to me. I want to give you the same gift. Someone like Justin. Yeah. Coach Justin is a really good coach. Sharp dude. Great coach. Obviously is making for a young guy. Yeah, he's still young in my book. (laughs) Uh, But he's making great decisions in life. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I tell him all the time, I'm like, if you don't have a jujitsu academy in the next like <laughs> five to eight wrong. years, I did something wrong. <laughs> and like at first he goes, No, I kinda want one like later. But now like I oh, say you can do a better Justin impression than that. Ah, you know, professor. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there they kind of all sound like Gordon. I know. Um, <laughs> but he goes, ah, you know, I thought about it further down the line. <laughs> And I'm like, down the line, I'm like, dude, like, you're not that young. Right. Like, 20 years from now, like, you know, no one wants to train with, like, the 80-year-old. Like, yeah, you yeah. Know, open up something while you're still young. But now I can kind of see in his eyes when I throw the idea out there. I'm like, you're... Yeah. And I spoke with him the other night in the, uh, in the locker room, and uh, I think it's really kind of really entering into his mental calculus now of what he wants to do so uh so he was up in maine a couple weeks ago right and here's the thing you you start thinking that everywhere is like new jersey or new york when Mm -hmm. it comes to jujitsu where you know you drive five minutes you're gonna see a school he was like hey professor when i'm up in maine is it okay if i go go visit uh flow uh hayden martz's academy i'm like yeah dude go their academy's gorgeous they have a beautiful academy right but even more than just the physical academy being beautiful They've got windows that go all around, kind of like how we have here. Okay. But you look out the window, and it's the Atlantic Ocean. Beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So they're right on the uh, they're right on the coastline. Yeah, right on the coast. Yeah, gorgeous. Most of Maine is that way. You know, you get like 
different uh, towns, but it's mostly up that coastline. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in the rest of the state. Uh, not much. I'm sure it's so, a genetic bully base. But, yeah, uh, so, so Justin comes back. I'm like, hey, did you go visit Flo? He goes, dude, it was three hours away from Yeah, the <laughs> and it's a big fucking state. So he's finding, out what, he's finding out what I already knew. And I was like, where was the closest school to you? He goes, like two hours away. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I was like, and the closest school to Hayden's like an hour and a half away. He's like, there's nothing up there. And I looked at him and I was like, bingo. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm giving away these secrets. People are listening. I'll probably take this out. But I've told him, I'm like, dude, like, and in my, my story's very different. I think my story's easier to sell people to open up an academy mm-hmm. because the biggest thing, especially when you have, you know, a family and you have a career, which Justin has, you have this stability. It's hard to walk away yeah. it's hard to say like i i can't do that I, i'm not gonna do this of course me. you're on a great ride with your career and it's like suddenly what do i do now and so yeah. i'm able to show people like hey you can do both until you only have to do one right right, right. you can do it it's doable it's work it's hard it's not the easiest route or the easiest path but it can be done yeah you, you know? know what another thing you always bring up to and uh, I, I always found it uh, really, really interesting that you say this because it does go back to the black belt mentality is that you got your black belt, but now you're starting all over again. Yeah. Now, I know that's something that really only black belts, I think, can truly understand. But if you can kind of shed light on what you mean by that. It's it's such an interesting experience. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're, we're talking about this today because... Uh, Pete McHugh is going to have a black belt ceremony in, in about, I believe in about a month or so. Okay. And he's promoting a couple of his guys to uh, black belt. Uh, one of them being his, his co-host. I know. I said his that. Roy yeah. uh, coach Pete, an old guy too. Pete Lingesso. Uh Yeah. And you know, he's a, you know, I believe former Navy guy. Something happens. It really is. And, and I, I compare it to, at least for me, uh, like that scene from Interview with the Vampire, where Tom Cruise turns Brad Pitt into a vampire. And then he like goes to him and goes, now open your vampire eyes. And it's the same world. The world around him hasn't changed. Mm. But his senses are so heightened that now it's not just a statue. The statue's mm. alive. He's seeing all these things with different eyes. That's kind of what happens when you get your black belt. Because the whole time you're training, the whole six years, 10 years, 15 years that you're working towards this goal, the goal is black belt. Mm -hmm. That's where your vision's at. Your vision is on that prize. Then you get it. And it's great. But then it kind of becomes like, now what? That's what I'm asking. So what is now what? What is that uncharted land? So I, my, uh, aside from training in Costa Rica with all my guys, my first training session uh, was at Ricardo's. Leon Jackson used to run a 5 a.m. class. Leon's an absolute animal. And uh, there was another gentleman there. uh, And uh, his name is uh, Vince. So it was just the three of us. And I... The job I was working on would get me into training at like four o'clock in the morning. Mm. So I was like, you know what? This is perfect. I'll just go train at 5 a.m., get home by 6.37. This is my first time training as a black belt. And I'm thinking, you know, if it was going to feel the way it's always felt. And it didn't. It didn't. What do you mean? It felt better. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. And not because it's like, yeah, I'm a black belt. 
it felt better in the sense that I'm here, I'm on these mats, I'm training, and I'm not chasing anything. Yeah. I'm not waiting for a black belt. I'm not thinking about promotions. I'm not worried about I'm literally training now because I love it. And it felt so pure and so freeing and just like, this is amazing. And now I get to use all my jujitsu because now you're a black belt. Everyone's just trying to attack you. And it's like, I get to, I get to really do jujitsu now. Yeah. I get to really do it and learn so much more than, you know, even six months ago. There's got to be still nights though when you're driving home and like, do I really deserve this black belt? Every, every, some nights, every day, <laughs> every day. There are nights where I'm like, man, I'm a four, fraud. I'm like, man, that four stripe purple belt seems really good right about now. <laughs> I would love to have four stripes on a purple belt, but <laughs> well, I think everybody grows into their belt perception. You know what I'm saying? Like no one I know at least gets their belt bump and they say, Oh, I, I totally deserve this. There's always that something in the back of their mind that I don't possibly deserve. Well, that's, this. that's but you grow biggest, into that. That's the biggest test. You grow into being a black belt in that sense. That's uh that's the biggest test, right? right? You know, it's like, when you have those guys like you know I'm ready for my next belt, but when you when they're when you're hearing that yeah. right away in my head, I'm like you're not. Yeah. The fact that you think you are you're not tells viewing me you're it not. correctly because you don't see it, you don't understand what's going on. Right. It's when you get those guys who are like, you know, I'm not ready for it. Like, please don't. It's like, yeah. Because you understand, you don't want it not because you think you suck. You don't want it because you understand the weight that comes with it. And That's guess a big what? Part of it, yeah. That's when it's time for you to carry it. That's when it's like now you're ready. Yeah. Because you are ready for it. I know you're ready for it. Uh, perfect example, and this is one of Tom's stories. He was uh, getting ready for, I believe it was Nogi Pans. Okay. Or Mundials. And uh, Nogi Worlds, Nogi Worlds. And he was a purple belt. And he had he had asked Ricardo if he could compete you know, at the Nogi Worlds. And Ricardo was like, yeah, of course. And he was like, okay. So he does a training camp as a purple belt. Mm-hmm. And like three weeks before, Ricardo promotes him to brown belt. <laughs> and he's like, I was pissed. I was so pissed. Yeah. I was like, really? Now? Like, oh my God. And then what happens? He goes out there and he wins worlds. He wins. That's amazing. Then like a couple months later, he goes out and he wins uh, the U.S. Nationals in the Gi. And then he wins pans in the Gi. Right. As right, a brown belt. Right. Like, like Tom says it all the time, like he didn't start winning anything of importance until he got to brown belt. But, you know, that's a testament to Ricardo where he's like, all right. You you want to stay recognized. You want to stay at purple. Yeah, yeah, he's like you want to stay at purple because you think I get it. I got this. Yeah, here's a brown. Let's see where you're really at. And he he stepped up. He stepped up. Yeah, wow. He stepped up, and that put him to a different level. Mm. It took him out of that comfort zone, like a comfortable purple, doing what you're supposed to do. Right, right, right. Step up and see what you're truly capable of. I'm able to take orders. I'm able to execute your orders. But now I'm stepping up to be the supervisor. I'm stepping up to be the guy. You can tap in and realize there's more there. Yeah, exactly. You get into and you're like, I'm doing this. And Mm -hmm. then you realize like, holy shit, I thought I was just going to win purple. I'm I'm the best brown belt right now. Yeah. Holy shit. How good can I really be? Yeah. You know, I think it takes a lot of foresight from your instructor to be able to do that. You know, it's funny that that works the same way in business. Uh, where there are guys that are, I call them the cubicle guys that just do the work, do the work, do the work, and they get really, really good at it. But the next step is being able to supervise and delegate. Mm. Do they have, can they exercise that skill set now? And then you get into that very, very high end skill set of bringing in new clients, bringing in new business. 
you know, and that's when you're truly, truly embodying the skills. And you get, you get thrown into that sometimes. Yeah. Cause you don't want to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, that's how, that's how my boss did it to me at work. <laughs> we were teaching class together for about three, four days. Right. And this was now my third time being his assistant, being the mm -hmm. number two. And he's like, Hey, he's like, how do you feel about teaching this set of rules? Mm. And it was a particular set of rules that uh, a couple instructors don't like to teach because it's very technical. And if you don't break it down the right way, it's going to go over everyone's head. Mm. I was like, yeah, I feel good teaching that. He's like, all right, he goes, start them up. I get like three minutes in and I'm doing my thing and I'm breaking it down. He stands up, walks up to me. He goes, I'll be back in a couple minutes. I haven't seen him in two years, Roy. <laughs> he, I haven't seen him in two years. He never that's came delegation. Back. That was it. Yeah, that's beautiful delegation. And uh, now he's the director of the department, uh -huh. and I've never been a backup in a class. I've taught. I think I taught like seven classes in a row or six classes mm -hmm. in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've become the guy where now when we bring in new people, mm -hmm. they're like, "Go in the class with Miguel. Stay with him for the next two three months, and he's going right. to teach you how to break all the stuff down." Which is great. But then I'm like, shit, man, can I get some help? Like, can I like sit back for an sure. afternoon and be like, please teach this? Like, I'm just teaching my ass off. I mean, it's truly great to be recognized along those lines. But if you flip it as the black belt, you look down your student list and you can actually probably, you know, pretty much predict what everybody's going to be as far as their role in the school. Some guys are going to take on teaching abilities. Some guys just want to, you know, roll. Some guys just want to do yeah. it. And know. some guys surprise you. Yeah. But, but, you know, I use, so I talk about when I'm here and I, I want to uplift my students and I want to help you guys reach your true potential. And I want to get you all to black belt mm -hmm. and I don't want you to be a black belt like me. I'm not like, no, 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 I'm special. No, you can do what I do. I don't think anything I did was special. I just kept showing up, kept training and wouldn't quit when my mind wanted to. Right. I use that with work. Like when I get all these new instructors that are coming in, like my mind's not like, all right, sit down and watch. I'll show you how it's done. Right. My mind is like, I need you. Jump in the pool. To get better yep. than me. Mm -hmm. So that if one day I'm not feeling well, you can step in and we don't skip a beat. Right. Because now the class is going to continue to succeed. The class is going to continue to pass their exams. We're going to produce quality conductors. And it's not all on me. Mm. You can do it too. And you know what that's called? It's called a fucking team. That's a program. Sure. Absolutely. Like when it's next man up, that's when a team's the best. When the backup quarterback can step in and win games, that's going to be a solid team. I love that you're quoting Bill Belichick. Oh, uh, here we go. But it's true. Every man's got to play. Everyone's earning that paycheck. Absolutely. And that's always my goal. Like, I don't like to just make the new guys sit down and be like, ah, sit down and watch. Ah, don't teach that. No, I'll do it. There's some days where I'll tell, I've, she, does, she might listen. I've told my one assistant instructor, I'm like, hey, I'm caught up on a phone call. Can you do me a favor? Start them up with these rules and just take them to like rule 100. Right, right, right. And she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I got you. But we're on Zoom. I'm sitting right there. Right. My camera's off, my mic's it. off, and I'm watching yeah. what she's doing. Uh -huh. And I can see where she gets nervous. I can see where she gets confident. And I'm like, you start to see, they start to find their footing. And it's like, awesome. And then I'll come back. I'm like, oh, you know, thanks a lot. Sorry about that. I was watching the whole time. But that's the method to my madness. You know, as far as the school, going back to BJJ, there obviously each school has its own process based on who the black belt is and what their their how their teaching method is and i know you must look around at certain schools and i'm not going to ask you to name names of this stuff, but you must say god i wish they would change this or in other words do you see a particular process in bjj versus and let's say another kind of 
uh, martial art or something like that. I mean, with other martial arts that do what they do, there's a couple things that I don't like. They always call them like do. McDojos, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of schools that do things different. But I'll tell you right now, we have, uh, you know, the uh, Tom DeBlast affiliation. We have a, a group chat on um, Facebook. Hmm. And it's all the academy owners and the coaches. And, you know, we talk. And it's we speak That's openly awesome. to each other. Yeah. And Tom's always responding on there and talking to these guys and girls and um, telling them things they could do to make their schools better. Right. And you know, sometimes it's little things. And it's a, but but it counts. And if you listen to what he says, you could have a successful academy. Now, do you have to run it just like Tom? No, I don't run my school exactly like Tom. I do right. some things different. But at the core, I do the things that he did that were successful. Um you know, uh, Rob Hilleman from Leverage, same thing. How. Right. You know, Tom went in there. It was like, okay, why are your mats different colors? And he was like, oh well, you know, we kind of got these really cheap. And but he goes, okay, he goes, number one, get rid of them. And he's like, it doesn't look serious. It doesn't look professional. I walk in and I'm like, oh, this guy just bought some mats off Craigslist. Hmm. He's like, invest the money, buy mats. When people walk in, it looks like a school. He goes, and they'll behave a certain way. Because it's an academy. Oh, yeah. Rob's school doubled in the first like eight months that he was, you know, in the affiliation. He was actually the first school. He, they were the first uh, Tom DeBlast affiliate. But they listened. And now he's got like almost 300 students. He's wow. in Ohio. Yeah. He's got three big mats. The school's Couldn't beautiful. have to do a better guy, though, I hear. I, hear mm -hmm. I couldn't have to do a better guy, though. I hear he's great things about him. He's awesome. Yeah. He took me when I was up there teaching... Uh, uh, my uh, seminar he took me he's a member of a country club up there and real nice club and we went out we had lunch and they have a pool and everything but he's like the mayor and I was like, <laughs> he hi, walks professor around rob hi rob <laughs> That's and i'm great. like dude you're the man in this town and like you're like a jujitsu guy he goes yeah man i don't know it's kind of weird but you know, it's, it's cool <laughs> it's awesome it's cool he's got like all the tattoos because he used to be like like a like a rock star and shit like that oh wow okay you know he walks around his little short shorts his like shirt open his like you know his like gucci shades he's the man <laughs> I was like, dude, I got to move to Ohio. <laughs> Who knew Ohio was this hotbed of cool? But I mean, a lot of great bands came out of there. But you know. but you know, but he he embodies that black belt. You know, he's just tough. And yeah. what I mean by tough, I don't mean you know tough like you can choke the shit out of someone and beat someone's ass and like like that's if that's why you're trying to be a black belt, that's the worst reason to be a black belt. Yeah, because you're not going to make it. You're and sooner or later, somebody's going to be able to choke the shit out of you. You've got to be able to accept that yeah. and not just get the shit choked out of you. But when you're done, slap hands and be like, where did I go wrong? Mm. Show me what I did. And on the flip side, when you do choke someone, be like, come here. When I start doing and then break it down right. and be like, here's how you get out of it and then drill it and then drill it. Because now the next round is going to be that much harder. And now not only are you making yourself better, but you're creating the next generation of black belts. You're creating that next wave. And the next, the new generation should always get there faster and be better than the last right. one. Do you think there's a push to maybe limit the amount of time to become a black belt? Because they always say BJJ is the longest road to black belt out of all the martial arts. I don't think they're going to limit it. I think, uh, I think where it's at right now is great. No, I, I what I'm getting at is fast. based on what you just said. Now that people are able to transmit these skill sets much better, in other words, there's a bigger breadth of people teaching well that's when it comes down to the instructor are they going to limit they there are they going to lower the time do you think i don't think so because you know what it is too 
you can see in a person, all right, they might have the technique on the mat. How are they everywhere else? Yeah. You know, do I want this person to be, you know, one of my black belts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've been at like different seminars and training things where you're just like, oh man, even though the guy's a black belt, it's like, you know. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. You know, but you also got to understand like, I'm very spoiled. Like the way I came up is not like, like people would dream to come up the way I came up. Oh, you know, yeah. I started Amongst with that crowd. Absolutely. Yeah, like, I can't judge other people based on that. It's like, I was spoiled. Like I, like I literally had private lessons with Tom the blast on a weekly basis. Yeah. No one's got that. Yeah. No one's going to get that. You know, but that's, that's Tom's black belt mentality. Mm-hmm. He saw something in me and he's like, I'm going to get you there. And he pulled um, me up. That's awesome. And now it's our job to reach down and pull others up. That's the you goal. Know, I also get the sense that like, and this is going to sound a little trite, but it's like, I think there's, because I've been in different types of martial arts myself, and it's like, I don't know what it is about the black belts when they stand and they just fucking like pontificate on life, you know, and they're just so fucking boring. And I'm standing there like, shut the fuck up already, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I mean, thank God you don't have that that bad gene in you. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's it's very easy to get up there. Shut up. It's too easy to get up there and like become a philosopher. That's what I'm is saying. Is that a real word, philosopher? It's, it's good by me. Philosophize. Yes. Uh, you know, it's easy because you get that black bone. You know, there is so much of a metaphor to getting it. Yeah. But and, at the same time, you got to remember like, you and, yeah. and all that shit. And... Yeah. At the same time, it's like, wrap the shit up. <laughs> That's what yeah, I'm Wrap saying. it up. Let's get it going. People want to get the fuck home. The class ends at 8.30. Why am I getting home at 9.15? That's exactly And right. I'm guilty of it. There's times where I like, even I'm like, all right, I'm done. Because I'm like, I've been, that's why I started the, I've gotten better since we did the podcast. I don't ramble as long at the end of class. No. I'm like, I got to preserve this for Wednesday, guys. Do you need me to high sign you when, uh, if, you're, if you're rambling <laughs> I've, on? I've had a couple guys assigned to that. Where, like They look at me and like, they tap their wrist. I'm like, all right, so uh, see you guys Tuesday. Don't right. forget, pre-order for the geese. <laughs> I, was like, once, I was once at a school. It's like, we had a really, really tough session. And the black belt just starts rambling. I thought I was going to pass out standing there. And meanwhile, the black belt didn't train. Well, <laughs> probably not. He's up there like, you guys. Like, you're like, dude, you didn't roll. Like, I'm dead. <laughs> but uh, no, it's listen, it's like anything in life, any career, any job, anything. There's going to be a common trait, but there's going to be that's there's going to be so many differences. Right. You right. know, I just had dinner last night or on Thursday with uh Tom and Ross, you know, those guys, you know, there's, there's four or five black belts at that table. You know, we all have a very similar trait that's why we're friends on top Mm -hmm. of just being black belts, but we're all completely different too. Mm -hmm. And we all had very different journeys. So what are like, what are the top two or three traits that you can pick out of a student that's going to become black belt? Discipline. Okay. That's the first one. And coachability. Okay. If someone can listen, and they can stay disciplined to just keep showing up. I'm like, this guy's got a chance. Okay. Got a chance. It has nothing to do with skill. Right. Like I, I told you early on, I was like, you're going to be a black belt. And you're like, I don't know. And I was like, no, I was like, you're, I'm going to give you a black belt one day. And it wasn't me like blowing smoke up your ass, or like trying to keep you in. It's because I knew you loved being here. No doubt. You always had so many questions at the end of class about techniques and things like that. So you you had this thirst for knowledge where I'm like, this guy wants to be here and he wants to actually learn it. But more than that, you were very honest with your life, your responsibilities. And you're like, I train two days a week, maybe a third. And when I heard that, I was like, this guy's got a structure. Yeah. He'll make it. <laughs> I was like, he's going to make it. 
Because he's got it set up. No matter up how I feel, I have to come in. You get in. Yeah. When you're not here, I get worried. I'm like, what the fuck is Roy? <laughs> I'm like, he wasn't here Monday either. I think you were on vacation one time and people started yeah, getting worried. I, I, what? I remember People that. were like, Why, where's Roy? I was like, yo, Roy wasn't here Monday either. We were like, somebody, did anybody call Pookie? Like, <laughs> where is this guy? And then you came back and you were all tan. I'm like, you've got to tell me when you leave. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I took a stripe off your belt. I was so pissed. But, <laughs> but, but no, but it's like, you know, you had all those traits where it's like, yeah, you're, you're going to make it. That's when I tell that to white belts too, because that's the most common mistake. A lot of white belts sign up and they do like nine classes the first week, yeah, eight classes the second that, week. Like, yeah, I'm killing it. I'm, killing it. I'm like, that's great. But just understand there's going to be a day where, or a time in your life where you can only get in two weeks. Don't create this reality in your head that you've got to take eight classes a week for mm. this to benefit you. Right, right, right slow down and that's i see that a lot with white belts who become blue belts now they can't train five days a week mm. and it's like well i can't really train the way i want and it's just like it's not worth it i'm not getting better it's and like, i learned enough already it's by like, now you know? no no no. you are getting better yeah you're just not doing 10 hours a week mm. you know you're not doing 10 hours a week and that's okay yeah like get your two hours a week in. if you train if you train one hour a week that's 52 hours a year oh yeah Oh, you do the math. You do the math. It adds up. Yeah. Not only that, it's like, I, I always say this, that's like, and I'm going to get weird here, but it's like, I sit on the toilet and I think about this. I lie in bed and I think about this, you know? Dude. It, it's uh, so just. I, now, not as much as I'm thinking about this all day with the school, but like, if there's like a move or a technique yeah. that gets stuck in my head, it's stuck in my head. And I, I can't get it out. Right. I can't get it out. I'll, I've like acted things out like in the shower that's what i do too i'm like there's gotta be a way i can get my and like i'm stuck and like i'll be in the car and like steph will be like what are you thinking about And i'm like you don't want to know and she's like is it anything serious and i'm like there's gotta be a way i can use my underhook to get to the far leg and she's like, I don't know what I that do the means. same shit all the time. And like, I'm just like stuck that I'm like, it's gotta be. My wife likes, you look like you're really, really serious about something. And, like, yeah. and then it's like, it's like a puzzle in your head. Exactly. And like, you're like, picturing the person's body and you're picturing yourself. It's like geometry trying to. Yeah. Uh, and then like, and then like the body gets all like contorted. And you're right. like, God damn it. Just where? Ah. Uh. You're like, I know I, could, I know there's a way to enter to this position from here. That's, I just got to figure it out. That's one of the things, you know, I, I, I Whenever I watch like a VJJ fanatic video, they only use one camera. And I'm like, could you move a little bit? Could you like, yeah, get me, all the give, angles. Give me yeah, a little better angle. There are, there are. But, you know, that's, you know, that's, I think that's another trait we don't talk about. I think to be a black boy, you got to be a little obsessive. Yeah, I definitely, I was waiting for you to say You got to be a little obsessive like, with anything. Yeah. You know, you got to just, you got to have it. Because if you're not obsessive about things, you know, people hear the word obsessed and they think it's like this, like dirty words like no you got to be obsessed with it you yeah. got to be obsessed with success you, you got to be obsessed be... with the goal you got to be ex- obsessed with what you're trying to accomplish oh, yeah. otherwise guess what you're gonna quit when it gets hard well that leads to back to when we you know what we were first discussing in the beginning is there a society out there thing that guys are missing in other words you you're the old story of you like you you create weak men and i'm seeing that out there Strong a lot times. of weak weak men. good times create weak men i'm weak thinking, men create bad times but BJJ progression is the antithesis of that. It's meritocracy. It's it's like you said, obsession in a good way. It's exercising these uh, these demons, if you will, to 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 get these things out. 
I don't think many people in society are doing that. And yet they're still fucking angry, you know, because they're not doing it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because they think that, you know, they just need their chai tea and their crystals and they'll be good to go. And it's like, no, sometimes. And and here's the thing. I'm not saying that if you've got things in your life, train jujitsu, that's the end. No, no. jujitsu is therapeutic. It's not therapy. Mm, Right. You, You still, if you got some real shit, you need to go talk to someone. <laughs> right. Go. I've done it. I've gone to see a therapist. You know, this wasn't enough. You know, like, you know, COVID was going. I'm like, this training's great. Yeah. I need to go talk to someone. And that's okay. Um, but I, I just think we're getting to a place in this world where people are just, it's too much easier to judge than to just put yourself yeah. out there and try something. A lot of keyboard warriors. That's lot, the thing, A man. lot of anger you know, out there. Those and... people used to just hide in their basements and we didn't know about them. Now we got yeah. the internet and they have a voice. Oh, God. But, you know, so let's not even give them any more time. Yep. But So let me ask you this. Yeah. You, you said a great line the other day to the kid that was taking uh, photographs. You said, hey, man, you can't suck and open up a school. <laughs> no, okay. what I said, you what know, I didn't say it was. I, it just stuck in my head. We were talking about jujitsu academies, and because he's he takes these pictures, and you know, he doesn't charge. And I was like, I was like, start charging people, right? He's like, I don't know. I was like, start charging people. Yeah. I was like, look, I was like, you always ask me to come in. I was like, and I say, yeah. I was like, but the day I reach out to you and I say, hey, I have an event, I want you to come in, I'm giving you a check mm-hmm. because I'm now asking you to provide a service. And for me, one of the hardest things when I first opened up the school was charging people i always felt so dirty when i told people like it costs money yeah because i had to in my head i'm like is my product worth anything like what am i doing i've got this small space so i told him i was like now i've got no problem charging people right and saying the price and if they're like "Ooh, that's a little steep i'm like fine go down the road yeah, go, go somewhere else go buy a hyundai like yeah like like i know what i'm providing so listen i'm not gonna bullshit we have a fucking gorgeous academy. Right. This school's beautiful. We've got two mats. One's 400 square feet. One is 1,200 square feet. Those two mats together are bigger than the whole old academy. Mm-hmm. Office, locker rooms, main mat. Bigger. We did that in 14 months. So I told him, I was like, you need to know that you're producing a quality product. Right. And I was, like, I was like, I love your pictures. Your pictures are great. I was like, I can't wait to put more of your pictures in my academy. Trust what you're worth. Yeah. And don't be scared to charge it. And then what I did was like, I like pointed to like the whole school. I was like, you see all this? You don't have this if you suck. <laughs> right. That's I was what like, you said. <laughs> so clearly I'm doing something right. Right. I'm doing something right. So I don't mind charging it. Yeah. Because you know what? Very soon, as soon as people take that intro class, they realize like, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. You got kids going to the bars, spending $200 every Saturday night, but this is too expensive. Is it? Yeah, no, I agree. And that's what I, I feel about the music too. It's it's funny because it's like when someone says, "How much how much do you charge to come to my house and play the piano for like a a wedding or something like that?" I'm like, "I don't leave my house for less than six hundred bucks." Yeah, you know, and it's like, "Oh, wow, you, can, you know," and I said, "Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Don't bother me." Other, yeah. I mean, it's good to have like uh, the skill set behind it, which but that's the thing too, like <laughs> and when believe you, in the skill set. You have to believe in your skill set. Know yeah. you have the skill set, and then realize like, is it worth my time? Yeah, because my time is money. All right, we're coming towards the end. Here's my big question that I always ask. What are the three athletes you would want to party with, past or present? I'd want to party with? You'd party with. Oh, Let's man. start with a football player. Because I, oh, I got one in mind right off the bat. I got two on it. Oh. All right, I'll tell you right now. I know you probably want me to say Lawrence Taylor. That was my thought. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I don't want to party with Lawrence Taylor. Really? Too yeah, much? his parties scare me. <laughs> like when you, like, I, and I, I don't want to talk bad about LT, 
Sir Lawrence of the Meadowlands, but his party's not my kind of party. Got it. it yeah. It's just like too much. I yeah, I'm not smoking crack. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's doing that anymore. Thankfully. Not anymore. But back then he was. Uh, he was rocking. Dude, he had a. He had. This is in his documentary. He had a hole cut into his bedroom that was next <laughs> to the kitchen. So and like not a big one, a little one, so he could crawl oh into his God. room. He had a crawl space. Oh it was bad. It, it, it wasn't fun. I would love to party. With Deion Sanders. Oh, one of the best personalities ever in the I game. think that's a party. Yeah. I think that's a phenomenal party. Yeah. Even if you don't partake in any of the activities, he's going, you're still going to have a great time. You just want to watch it. It's prime time. <laughs> it's prime dude. time, baby. That's prime time. How is that not a good time? Gotcha. Uh, who else? Definitely want to party with Dion. I think that'd be a great time. All right. How about a, uh, a basketball player? You're thinking Rodman. No, I um, he's he's too. I think weird. he's too much. I've heard him interviewed. I, I'm not. I don't know if I'd I was wanna... thinking Sir Charles. Just a funny dude. Like, I wouldn't want to party with Charles. Life. You know, I wouldn't want to party with Rodman either. Dennis Rodman reminds me of that guy. Like as soon as you get to the club and like you settle down, you're like, man, this place is pretty great. He's like, let's get the fuck out of here. You're like, <laughs> yeah. what? Like, like nothing's place, good enough. This place him. sucks. Yeah. Like you hit up eight clubs and never party. You're like, this sucked. <laughs> we did nothing tonight. He goes, we had a pretty good time. I'm like, no, we didn't. You did. You did. <laughs> and you were dressed in a woman's dress. Yeah, and you were you were dressed in a wedding dress the whole time. Right. And people still loved you. Like you still got all these girls. Like this right. I actually dressed you got up Carmen for Electra. Tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I dressed up for tonight. No one acknowledged me. I can't party with Rodman. That wouldn't be a good time. Definitely partying with Dion. Uh basketball player. Hmm. I I would like to party with like uh I don't really know too many basketball players. Okay. So I don't know. Like what about like a Jordan? I don't think I'd want to party with Jordan. He's too intense. He's too intense. Yeah. And he's just like, That's I don't know. I don't think it'd be a good time. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I'd, you well, know who I would like to party with? I think it? I'd probably have a good party with uh, Charles Oakley. Oh, he's a good guy. Because I know we're going to get dude. into a fight. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, we're going to have a good time. There's going to be a fight. Like, like we're going to party. And he'll hold your jacket. Oh, 100%. He's, gonna, he's coming in swinging. Right. I would definitely want to party with Charles Oakley. You didn't think I was going to say that one. No, it caught me completely. Charles Oakley, Charles Oakley was a beast when he played for the Knicks. That guy was an oh, enforcer. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I got well, a baseball player. Who I do love, you got for I baseball? love Big Poppy. Just a fun dude. Walks in, the place lights up. I'll tell you what. I'm not going to go. Got that whole big, Dominican spirit. I'm I not going to go Big Poppy. Okay. But I am going to stay with that team. Okay. I'm going Manny Ramirez. Oh, Manny's the best. Oh, I'm partying with Man Ram all day. I think Manny Ramirez is going to have the time of his life. Just Manny being Manny. I feel, yeah, I feel like Ortiz is going to be like a little bit too quiet and like, you know, take pictures okay. with the fans. I feel like Manny would be like, get everybody the fuck out. And just like invite like, you know, <laughs> 10 people and like we own the club. And he's got like, you know, he's got his locks and, you know, his braids and yeah, definitely Manny. Yeah, Manny. So Manny Ramirez, Deion Sanders. And Charles Oakley. That's who I'm partying with. That's a great crowd. That's who's in the limo. That's a great crowd. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're going to a Motley Crue concert. There you go, right? (laughs) (laughs) You got some really good taste in music. I got to tell you. Sometimes you... you, I like all... That's the thing. You surprise the hell out of me with that. I like music. I like all music. Uh, So does Benny. No, but you talk it, too. You don't just like... Like, you're talking Iron Maiden with Andrew Vidal. You're talking like Iron Maiden's good, man. Yeah. Their songs are just like they tell like epics, like these 8-10 yeah. minute, minute songs. It's a story. So many people can't really wrap their minds around it. Or you got to I mean, well, you know what it is too? I appreciate the work people into things. Yeah. Like people put into things. Like I don't just hear a song and I'm like, "Oh, wow, it's a great song." In my head I'm like, "Damn, like 
look at like listen to all the riffs listen to the oh, drums yeah. listen to the solo like look at everything that's going into that song and i appreciate it even if i don't like the song i'm like that's a lot of work i hate to say but that's what turns me off about rap i just don't hear the musicianship behind it and that's what bugs me about it i get the vibe i get the you know the whole like uh, culture behind it i just don't like the musicianship behind it i can see that you know i can absolutely see that so. Because it, that was always the biggest arguments with rap. They're like, it's not music. There's no instruments. Yeah. But then you can make the same argument for like... Making the same like, argument for anything. Like house music. Yeah. And like... Doo, 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 Jason doo, doo. listened... My son, my son listened to EDM. He just went to a festival last night. I'm like, dude, I, I don't get it. But if I you're like having some, fun, go like for EDM. it. I like EDM. It's know? not as easy as you think putting all those sounds together. Oh, hell no. It, making it sound good. I know. But um, Benny... A, he Benny got home last that. night at five in the morning. Hell yeah. Dude, you want to talk about not sleeping at night? Jesus Christ, <laughs> dude, Benny loves that shit. Like when does I play, he? like when I put on, he's really into marshmallow right now. Okay, and what he does is like he'll pretend he's got headphones on. So like, <laughs> and he's like with the like, turntable, with like one hand he's right. covering his ear, and then with the other hand he's like flicking back and forth on the board right. and like hitting buttons, and then like he'll put his hand up wow. and start shaking it, and then when the beat drops, he like drops it. Unbelievable! And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> who are you? He's just like. He's like, awesome. he's like making the sounds and i'm like like steph looks at me she's like you know he's having like like in his mind he's like at he's, a visa right now performing at a, right. at a festival i'm like yes he said the there. izu festival yeah that's where my son was last night izu festival izu festival on randall's island all these djs came out he I said it's like four stages yeah. i dude i don't want to get too fatherly here but it's like i can't stand when he comes home so late though it's like, where are you? Where are you, buddy? Just Makes tell me where you are. I get so... He's in Brooklyn, and I'm like, I hear bad things about Brooklyn. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like a thousand and one thoughts go through my mind. Brooklyn's not how it used to be, man. It's new Brooklyn. I hope so. It's new Brooklyn. <laughs> it's new Brooklyn. I hear they're bringing in talent. So are you happy with this one? Because I, I like this uh, podcast. I'm going to tell you right now, I think all our podcasts suck until I get in the car and I listen to it for 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. I always leave here and I'm like, ugh. And then I get in the car, I'm like, damn, this is actually pretty good. But people are really liking it, man. I just walk away and I always say, wow, I just filled up. We just filled up another hour and a half. How the hour hell did that half. happen? Hour and a half. But yeah, people are listening and yeah. we're going to keep doing it. I, I'll tell you what, we talked about this last week. As much as I love doing the podcast, I like doing the podcast. And we yeah, talked about this. Like yeah. is more important we'll get, than the I love. I wanted to bring that up in another podcast. All right, so we'll save it. Like versus love thing. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. This is episode seven of Tapping In, recorded on a Saturday, Oof. daytime. We completely flipped the script. Mm hmm. So, all right. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for tapping in, and don't forget to keep listening.